0: The virtual CISO moment is brought to you by VCSO Services, a leading provider of quality and experienced virtual chief information security officers for small and mid sized businesses. Check them out at vcsoservices.com. Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the virtual CISO moment wrap up for Friday, April 14th, 2023. Infosecurity Magazine reports over 20,000 Iowa Medicaid members are affected by a data breach. The Iowa Department of Health and Human Services, HHS, in the U.S. confirmed on Tuesday that the personal data of 20,800 Iowans who received Medicaid was exposed due to a cyber attack. Not good. According to the department, the Iowa Medicaid system itself was not compromised. Instead, the breach was due to an attack on a contractor's computer system that occurred between June 30th and July 5th, 2022. The contractor, Teligen performs annual assessments for Medicaid members. The company, in turn, subcontracted part of that work to Independent Living Systems, which was the firm compromising the attack. Now, disclosure, this breach took far too long. Eight months passed between ILS detecting the breach and Iowa HHS informing victims, said Paul Brishkoff, Brishoff, rather, consumer privacy advocate at Tech. A lot of damage could have already been done. Criminals could use the breached info for identity theft, Medicaid fraud, and phishing, among other attacks. Data exposed in the breach included names, Medicaid details, and other sensitive information. So a little opinion here. I have a uh, series about cybersecurity consulting and becoming a consultant, being a business owner, and all of that. Uh, also have a longer video of a presentation that I'm giving this weekend in two locations, one at the B-Sides tomorrow in Nashville and one at Southeast Cyber Summit in in uh, Birmingham, Alabama on Monday, both dealing with um, uh, becoming a cybersecurity consultant. One of the things is that you have to make sure to vet your, your security controls because of your liability. You have to understand your liability. And here's a case where... A contractor had a sub that then had another sub that had an issue, and that caused a lot of problems. So if you're going down that path, think about your liability. From cybersecurity news, KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken, and Pizza Hut discloses data breach, users' personal information stolen. And I do not know if actually it stands for Kentucky Fried Chicken anymore. It might just be KFC. Anyway, This was earlier in the week, so you may have already heard of it, but in case not, Yum Brands Incorporated, which runs the restaurants KFC, Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, and the Habit Burger Grill, not familiar with that one, submitted a notice of security breach to warn of cybersecurity incidents affecting an individual's personal information that happened in mid-January of 2023. Although some data has been taken from the company's network, the company has previously claimed no proof of identity theft or fraud involving users' data. Around January 13th of this year, Yum! Brands encountered a cybersecurity problem involving unauthorized access to some of its systems. As soon as they learned about the issue, the company locked down the impacted systems, alerted federal law enforcement officials, and collaborated with top digital forensics and restoration teams investigate and remediate the incident that kind of reminds me of the top men are working on the ARC quote from Raiders of the Lost Ark. But I digress. The company says that it has been it has implemented 24 by 7 detection and monitoring technologies and in addition they involved experts, top men maybe, in determining whether any individual's personal information might have been involved in the files impacted in the incident. Now, the attackers took some people's identities, driver's license numbers, and other ID card numbers, Yum Brand said in a statement. Tax season here in the United States. Have you finished your taxes? Hope so. Getting pretty close. Sophos reports that tax firms are targeted by precision malware attacks. CPAs and accountants receive solicitations for tax filing business that was just a social engineering ploy. It's a a lot of people panicking right now, going out saying, hey, I need to find a, an accountant, get this done. Financial accountant firms and CPAs are in the crosshairs of this tax season as a threat actor is targeting that industry with an attack that combines social engineering with a novel exploit against Windows computers to deliver malware called Goo Loader. At least two organizations in that industry, both Sophos customers, reported the unusual attack to us in late February and early March as tax preparers are entering the busiest part of the season in the United States. Now, a reminder, if you don't know about this, the tax filing deadline this year is April 17th, because the 15th is a Saturday. The attack begins with an email that purports to solicit business from the tax preparation firm. The initial message to the target is benign, with a subject line of prospect client inquiries, prospective rather, client inquiries, containing nothing more than an introduction and a request for information about onboarding new clients. If the target responds to this initial solicitation, the sender then sends a follow-up email with a link to a password-protected zip file hosted on a cloud storage device. The zip archive contains two files, a Windows shortcut, an LNK file. Remember, a couple months ago, I had forgotten what an LNK file was, silly me, only only been around for a few decades, and a benign decoy attachment. When someone tries to double-click these decoy files, the Windows or the application mapped to the relevant file type throws an error because the file type isn't known or isn't what it appears to be. Adobe Reader or Photo Viewing program can't open the file. The target would then naturally double-click on the other file in the Zipcar archive, the link file labeled with a PDF file suffix and with an icon that makes it appear to be a PDF document. But the text of that file contains, of the shortcut contains a PowerShell command. And if you want to know the rest of the exploit, check out the article. Are you looking for bug bounty opportunities? Well, I've got some news for you. Info Security Magazine rather has news for you. They say that ethical hackers could earn up to $20,000 uncovering chat GPT vulnerabilities. Now, OpenAI is offering white hat hackers up to $20,000 to find security flaws as part of its bug bounty program launched April 11th of this year. The chat GPT developer announced the initiative as part of its commitment to secure artificial intelligence, AI. The company has been under scrutiny by security experts since the launch of the chat GPT prototype in November, 2022. Remember, we reported here that on March 23rd, OpenAI reported announced that it had fixed a vulnerability in ChatGPT 4, which had allowed users to view the titles of chats of other users during a nine-hour period on March 20th. Now, the concerns were raised that the bug in the ChatGPT open-source library could lead to other privacy concerns. So the rewards range from $200 for low-severity findings up to $20,000 for exceptional discoveries. As of this time, the writing of the article... Over 10 vulnerabilities had been rewarded. Didn't say what dollar amounts. As part of the program, ethical hackers are not permitted to release the information about the vulnerabilities found. Well, do you agree with this, particularly if you are a CISO? HelpNet Security reports that a report from Red Excess says that hybrid work environments are stressing CISOs, Chief Information Security Officers. I think you know that. The impact of the hybrid workforce on security posture as well as the risks introduced by this way of working opposing concerns for CISOs and driving them to develop new strategies from hybrid work security. This again according to Red Access. Among the report's most critical findings is the revelation that browsing-based threats rank as CISO's number one concern regardless of whether the organization was operating primarily in an office, hybrid, or remote setting. And as for the risks posed by the hybrid and remote workers specifically, insecure browsing also topped the list of CISOs concerns. So here's a few numbers or more in the article. 63% of CISOs said that they anticipate most employees of their organizations would work under a primarily hybrid or remote model in three years' time. 72% of CISOs agree that the hybrid and remote workforce has a negative impact on their organization's security posture. I would be part of that 73%. When asked to select the top three most significant cyber threats to their organizations, browsing threats topped the list with 43% saying that it was their top concern. Not good. Bleeping Computer reports that five were arrested after 33,000 victims lose $98 million to online investment fraud. Europol and Eurojust announced that the arrest of five individuals is believed to be part of a massive online investment fraud ring with at least th- 33,000 victims who lost an estimated 89 million euro, which is roughly 98 million in the United States dollars. The coordinated action took place across two action days in March and involved the search of 15 locations, including five illegal call centers across Bulgaria, Romania, and Israel. The fraudulent operation lured investors through web and social media banner ads, tricking their targets into committing small amounts of up to 250 euro as initial investments by promising big profits. It's too good to be true. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. The victims, quote, this is from Europol, were then contacted by so-called personal financial advisors who promised even higher profits on bigger investments. These higher investments were then subsequently lost and the illegal profits were paid into the perpetrator's bank accounts. The fraud scream allegedly ran between 2019 and 2021, with the suspects of the operations in 2021 or their associates recently setting up call centers in Bulgaria and Romania. Victims were also pushed towards following the scammers' advice by the very low interest rates throughout the period when they were targeted, which made the large profits they were promised much more interesting. Now we head into our list section. This is, of course, one of my favorite sections of uh, doing this podcast. This is where I take a list of something that I found. The title piqued my interest, and I'm like, I decided I wanted to share it with you all. Well, you got a treat today. You got two lists today because I found two that I thought were interesting. And I have not read them yet, but my reactions will be... Raw and immediate, and here we go. Four ways to harden your network perimeter is number one. And as we scroll on down through this, let's see. I want to make sure that I'm actually in the right location here. So this is from Security Intelligence, as you can see. Number one, create and maintain an up-to-date asset inventory. Okay, I would definitely agree. You know, one of the things that we found when we offer to run internal vulnerability assessments for our clients, of course, the main reason for doing so is to find vulnerabilities, but it also helps very much with inventory and finding where there may be devices on the network that the network team are just not aware of. Now, I would agree with this, and they're, they're talking about here some things that you should do to do that, Okay, let's see what this is. Keep the acronym CRUD in mind. All right. CRUD stands for Create Inventory Records for Newly Onboard Systems. Read records to determine both asset location and ownership. Update records when asset ownership changes. Delete records once an asset has been decommissioned. Can't argue with any of that. Remember, a truth in information security is that you can't secure what you don't know about. Number two, take a proactive approach to system hardening. Yes, too often network and system admins take a reactive approach when it comes to configuring or patching their systems. That's the whole point of hardening is to make sure that it's hardened in case something happens. Hardening after the fact really doesn't help too much. And bolting on security doesn't help as much either. But it's a that's a that's a good one. Number three, install EDR or endpoint detection and response on all network connected assets goes on to note here that if configured correctly, EDR agents can alert an organization's security operations center, SOC, within seconds of system compromise. At this stage of the game, yeah, it, there are many choices of EDR vendors out there. And as it says here, most of them provide the capability of detecting and reporting vulnerabilities at both the operating system and application levels. Number four, utilize an attack surface management tool these tools have no inside knowledge of your network. They can therefore provide you with a bad actor's perspective of your network perimeter, allowing you to concentrate. ASM tooling takes a more active approach, regularly scans your network com- perimeter to discover and report any vulnerabilities and misconfigurations. I guess I don't see how this is different from external vulnerability assessments. Maybe it's just a different Name, attack surface management tool is just a different name for something like that. Um, uh, Sometimes you find that like marketing names come in where they like rename something that has been around for a while. My favorite example of this going back to the early days of uh, networking and Internet is uh, when they decided to come out with something called layer three switches. A layer three switch is a router. I hold that to this day. But to that point, one of the reasons why I like reading this is at the very least, ASM was not a familiar term to me. I guess I should look it up and, and check it out a little bit more. Maybe there is something more to it than just being an external vulnerability assessment. So that's it for our first one. Our second one is really interesting because I a lot of times on the podcast when I have interviewers, when I have folks on to interview, the question I ask is, well, what's the most significant threat you think right now to small and mid-sized businesses. And a lot of people will respond, ransomware. And it's my experience that most organizations, particularly small and mid-sized businesses, they don't have a ransomware playbook. So this one, seven things your ransomware response playbook is likely missing. Number number one, you don't have a playbook. <laughs> no, I think it's already assuming that you have a playbook. All right, number um. Well, let's see. Oh, it's a slideshow. Oh, okay. Well, let's see. Is your ransomware playbook where it should be? Uh, Okay. Then we start here. Next slide. Granular tasks should be defined and assigned. That's the same thing about incident response. Um, Keep a current list of decision makers with contact details. Yes, that would be with incident response. Next slide. Do you have a pro-negotiator on speed dial? No one should engage with or respond to any ransomware demands themselves. A lot of times your cybersecurity underwriter will either handle this or direct you, more importantly, how to handle it. They'll, They'll actually direct your playbook. So in this sense, that'll probably come from them. Number four, craft a supply chain notification plan. A list of every vendor who needs to be notified in the ransomware response playbook. Keep all vendor contact details up to date. Okay, again, a lot of this is um, incident response as well. Number five, have a predetermined communications cadence so that all stakeholders know exactly when to expect the next update, whether it's, again, a lot of this is just what you would do for incident response. So, like the RACI. I'm, I'm a RACI fan, although it can be um, rather complicated, responsible, accountable, consulted, and informed. Events versus incidents to find. All right, I'm getting a little bit disappointed here because I thought a lot of this was going to be ransomware specific, but this is apparently um, all about incident response because that's a basic one. Don't forget the playbook updates. Yes, whenever you have an incident, when you're done with an incident, you do a postmortem, and there you go. Okay. So that was a little bit disappointing, but that's okay. we We learned maybe a little bit more there. The last thing I'd like to do is a shout out. As regular listeners of this podcast know, I have started doing what I call shout outs, and that's to help folks that are currently in between opportunities. In their cybersecurity career and perhaps might benefit from a bump any any bump any any sort of um, exposure can help in these matters and and so this is just one little way that it can and so our bump for today our shout out is for kevin cecil he has over 20 years of experience in i.t including senior leadership roles roles rather in cybersecurity, identity and access management, privileged account management, MDM, networking and data center operations. He has spent the last three years forming and running a successful startup. I know what that's like. That can be very tough. Congratulations there, which he just sold. Congratulations there too. In the startup experience, Kevin learned a lot about business from the other side. True, I've been there too. He has spent years providing technical business solutions from an IT-centric perspective. But with this venture, he has a keen sight into business needs from both investor and principal perspective. So check him out on LinkedIn. The link to his profile is in the show notes. And that's it for today. I hope you have an awesome Friday and an awesome weekend. And I will see you bright and early, hopefully on Monday morning. I'll be at a conference, but I'll still plan to make the quick strike for you all. Until then, have a great weekend. Stay secure.